Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Hi. Guess what? It's cold. Yes. <laughs> that was not a guess. That was a simple statement of fact that yep. no one could deny. Yep. Yes, that is correct. It is cold. But guess what happened recently? Um, Ariana Grande got a tattoo that says Japanese barbecue grill. And then she tried to fix it. And now it says Japanese barbecue finger. <laughs> so I'm going to go on another podcast over here. <laughs> You resume whatever this is. I'm just I don't even know, know what this is. Isn't okay. that, you asked me what happened recently. Um, I can't deny that that is an answer to the question. You're That's welcome. right. But the Caldecotts and Newberries were announced. Oh. So would you like to know how we did, or how rather how I did with those three? Remember I brought in three? Uh-huh. Yeah. None of them got nothing. Wow. Nothing. Not, I mean... That's not entirely true. Dreamers got a Purabelle Prey for illustration, so yay! And uh, let's see, the other one was blue, and We Don't Need Our Classmates got nothing. Aww. Either of them. I know, I felt very I sad. I like the dinosaur one. So did I! So that was too bad. However, uh, not all is lost. Uh, we do have a bunch of winners that I did not see coming at all, so... Uh, That's exciting. Yeah, and one... Isn't of, it nice to be wrong, Betsy? I actually enjoy it a lot. <laughs> That's the whole reason I like those awards, is because I never know where they're gonna go. So I got a big old head, because the last year I did very mm -hmm. well, and this year it's just... It's like a... You're like Beetlejuice with like the, the guy who's sitting on the couch. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's like sprinkling head. the thing on the yeah. head. There goes the, there goes the head. But hey, hey, yeah, this might be a good look for me. Yeah, um, but don't worry. By this time next year, that head's going to swell right back up again. So it's uh, it has its ways. It's science. It's science. Well, so the winner uh, was a book that you've never seen. It was called Hello, Lighthouse. Hello. What you know when I come to see you? No, okay. It was just called Hello Lighthouse. It was by Sophie Blackall, uh, who we have not done on this podcast, you know, because she's relatively new. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to do a classic book by Sophie Blackall? Sure. She just won. It's admittedly her second Caldecott <laughs> Award because oh. we, we don't want to get greedy or anything, but, you know, she already had one. Okay. Um, and so then I was like, well, what book would we... What could we do? I was also thinking we needed to do more, uh, a more wider range of, of different ethnicities and religions and, and, and all sorts of things with our classics, which is hard because they didn't traditionally make that wider range of books back in the day. And so... Lots of peach. A lot of, a lot of peach. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pale, pale and, and ivory. Yeah. Um, a lot of white people is what we're saying. So I wanted to do, let's say you wanted to make a classic... Uh, Muslim picture book uh, here in America. What if you had to choose one? What would it be? Yeah, see, you do, you have that look on your face. I'm not actually asking you. You okay, can take good. it off your face because like, no. there is one. <laughs> there, well, I say yes because New York Public Library had a list a number of years ago that was uh, 100 books, 100 years, and they had a picture book uh, by a Muslim Canadian author 
um, that came out here in America was illustrated by Sophie Blackall. Small caveat, I made that list. So I was the one who selected that book, but uh -huh. I stand by it. <laughs> I would stand by it. And so I'm pulling out the book today. Big Red Lollipop. Boop-a-doo by... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm twisting it. Roxana. Roxana Khan. Correct, Roxana Khan. And illustrated by Sophie Blackall, who is not herself uh, Muslim American, but, uh, you know... She did the art. So there you go. Enjoy this delicious lollipop book. Okay. Okay. While Kate's doing her read, I'll give you a little background information on the book. Uh, at one point, I did find a video where Ms. Khan was interviewed about the book. That link has since disappeared because this is the internet and nothing in the world is permanent, my friends. Not love nor money. And so I did have some notes from back in the day where I wrote, and this is what I wrote at the time after watching that interview, I now realize that Blackall included details in her illustrations that were taken from this true story. Because of course the fact is, this is based on a true story. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, like the fact the little sister, who was actually Roxana, hid in the hall closet when her sister discovered the destroyed lolly. So there you go. This is based on a true story. And uh, there are lots of details, even in the art, that you might see that were not necessarily mentioned, uh, but do come into play. Hello. Hi. How you doing? All right. Good. Uh, this is a sister book. It is. It's about sisters. It is. I never did this to you, though. I was never uh, like, no. Betsy, I have to go to, with you to your friend's party because... To be fair, I had no friends. <laughs> That's so... not true. You have friends. <laughs> I not, uh, but I didn't go to that many birthday parties. Anywhere, anytime you win somewhere, I was never like, you have to take me or I'm going to complain no, but and you cry. Were... And... No. <laughs> to be fair, you were not as close in age to me, though. You're six years younger than me. Yeah, well, so how far apart do you think they are? They've got to be like more like three. I think they're like two, three. Right. They're much closer in age, so I think, yeah, definitely must be, because you see them grow up to a certain extent where her younger sister becomes her age at the same age and then has to deal with her own baby sister mm -hmm. doing the same thing. So, yeah. Anyway, but we, we get ahead of ourselves. Right. What is this book about? It's about a girl. Um, she gets invited to go to a birthday party, which, <laughs> I don't know why, but... On the very first page, she's, she says she's so excited, she runs all the way home from school. And the first thing I look at on this page is, oh, that's weird. Is that a fountain of a whale, or is that a whale in the middle of a fountain? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a whale that's been abandoned in the middle of a teeny, teeny, tiny lake. Don't worry, he comes back. Oh, what? So... Does he really? <laughs> I have never even seen... I've never seen that whale a day of my life. I like to just spring random things on you. All so, right, then. So she runs home to her mom's yeah. sister and... That's her mother. Amy? Ami. 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 They're Pakistani-Canadian, uh, so Ami is uh, I was her, totally her reading it as Amy, so I was like, no, okay, no, no, is no. this like her that's... older sister? No, that's her Ami. Like mommy. Gotcha. Yeah. You All got right. it now. You get it now. You get the picture. Where's daddy? I don't know. Daddy's not a part of the story. That's not <laughs> daddy a part of the story. Nope. Daddy is off doing daddy's thing. All right. She runs home, says she's been invited to a birthday party, and immediately her little sister 
age unknown, mm-hmm. says that she wants age to. Unknown. <laughs> I don't just imagine there's like a thing under her head, like age unknown. So she says she wants to go too. Mm-hmm. And her mom forces her to ask the birthday girl if she can bring her little sister. Now in the mom, so I'm a mom. So in the mom's defense, so the mom up until this point has never heard of a birthday party a day of her life. And they, they, this is a completely new concept. Right. And then, you know, under normal circumstances, if one daughter is going to a party, she would be responsible for her younger sister under normal circumstances. So this seems unfair to the mom. The mom's like, no, you're clearly making your younger sister miserable by not bringing her along. Not knowing that this is not a culturally, you know, regular thing that is done with birthday parties. But doesn't, when, doesn't every culture have, okay, if you are invited to something, you are the one that is, that is invited. Not I your, don't know. Not your I entire don't know. family. Like, I don't know. I mean, let's imagine, I don't know. I mean, if you're a kid, though, maybe not if you're a kid. Like, if you're an adult and you're like, hey, I'm, if like, if I got invited to a party... Um, that was, you know, by name. Like, Betsy, you've invited a party. I'm like, great! And then I just show up with you. You know, that that would not be cool. Right. I would grant that, yeah. It's but if I'm, weird. But what if I'm six? <laughs> and you're three? If, Actually, that would still be totally not cool okay, if it was just the two of think us. Think of but, your yeah. own kids. If your mm-hmm. own daughter got invited to a birthday party, would right. you make her take her little brother? No, but I've grown up with birthday parties. I know all about them. I know how they work, you know. So we're going to so, plead ignorance here. I'm going to plead ignorance Okay. Here, which is, I think, a fair thing to plead. Okay, yeah. but the first time. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's fine. So then the girl asks the birthday girl if she can bring her little sister, and the birthday girl's like, uh, all right. Okay. So then... I imagine she says it like that. This is, this is the very first children's book I think you've shown me that features Crocs. Now, this is weird because this is technically supposed to be historical, but I guess... Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to rock the Crocs. Why not? Yeah. That's weird. I so, think Crocs are now historical because no no kid... Well, I guess I'm going about to say... only kids wear them. Well, okay, that's true. You, these and days, nurses. Yeah, these days, Crocs... Croc, yeah, kids and kids and nurses, yeah. So the kid, her little sister, like, cries all the time and has to win every game. And then they get these goodie bags to take home that mm-hmm. have candy and toys. And, oh, you want a fun fact about a goodie bag? Huh. I think in Canada they're called loot bags. Loot bags. They're loot bags. Because that's where you put your loot. You put your loot that you have acquired as a gift. I don't yeah, think well, that's how loot works, well, right? Isn't you, loot you take when you run out of flutes or guitars, you think of what instrument would be best, <laughs> and you just stick a loot in everything. Green sleeves was my heart <laughs> of gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I give all the kids who come to my house some loot. <laughs> Here's your loot bag, kid. <laughs> now go sing for your supper. Here's a farthing. Yeah. <laughs> but right, when did gift bags become a thing at birthday parties? Who invented that? I would that? love to know this because if this is based on a true story, and the true story involves goodie bags, mm-hmm. and let's say that the author is my age, then it would seem to stand that when I was a kid there were goodie bags. Right. So They were definitely there in the early 90s. I know they were there in the 80s because I was a kid. So, so we're going to say 80s. But when, who started this insane, ungodly tradition that I now I want to blame on someone? I want to go with a rich mother yeah. who didn't have anything to suburban, do with her time. Yeah, suburban mom. Too much time on her hands. Mm-hmm. Wants to win over all wants the other parents. Wants to make her kids' party look better than all the other kids' parties. There and you looks, go. Not only am I giving them cake and ice cream, but I'm going to give them 
extra bags of candy that, and forcing you, other parents, to be the bad guy who says, no, you can't eat the big red lollipop yeah. right now. Yeah. So do you make goodie bags for your kids? I certainly do. And what's in them? Uh, well, actually, you live near a candy store. I do. And unbeknownst to me, it can be a little expensive when it comes to the lollipops. Hmm. So there's a kind of a lollipop called a unicorn lollipop. Have you seen this? It's a spiral, vertical, very long, skinny. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I got every kid uh, a unicorn one. I had to take out a, a mortgage on my home because <laughs> they, they cost no earth. I found out at the cash register. And then you're like, you don't want to like lose face, and so you just buy them anyway. And you're like, ah, why did I do this? But yes, I made goodie bags, and um, and one of the things in them was a, a big rainbow unicorn horn lollipop. Interesting. So yeah, so, not because of this book. That was just what happened. Well, we come to the part where the girl decides she's going to hold on. So the little sister ate everything and broke the toys and whatever. Sure, yeah. But the girl who was invited to the party is going to hold on to that lollipop. She, yes. she puts it in the fridge. She, this is a delayed satisfaction human. I, I don't understand these people. I can appreciate that. I appreciate it, but I don't understand but it. But for like a seven or eight year old, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. She literally wants to hold on to the, the satisfaction. The satisfaction of just having it, it's not having like it knowing yet. that like tomorrow's Christmas. Yeah. I'm just going to like. That's very much yeah, how whatever. she feels about it. Yeah. So the next day. <laughs> An unspeakable crime takes place. The whale comes back. Wait, where's the whale? The whale's on the fridge. Oh my gosh. Yep. It's symbolic at this point. I guess. The whale is Moby Dick. I'm going to work on this one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to work on this one. All right. So the little sister ate the big sister's lollipop. Not all of it. Uh, she, she, left. she left a gross, <laughs> small, saliva-covered uh, triangle now, of lollipop. I have some additional information that you were not privy to that explains why it's a triangle. Would you like to hear it? Sure. So there is a video of Roxana Khan doing this book. And she doesn't even have the book in her head. She's just telling the story because she was the little sister. Oh. So you, she tells it from the little sister's point of view, which is fascinating. And in her point of view, she went, she, she knew she wasn't supposed to, she got up early to watch cartoons. She knew she wasn't supposed to eat the other lollipop. She went to just look at it. And then she saw there was an extra bump on it. And she was like, well... You can't have an extra bump. And in trying to uh, rub down the bump in some way, uh, she managed to break the... She dropped the lollipop and broke into a million pieces, which is why it's in that weird triangle thing. And then she just ate all the pieces. Gotcha. Because who who wants pieces of lollipop? Okay, so it's not covered in saliva. No. It's covered it's, in, like, dirt and grind that was on the floor. Entirely possible, yes. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. All right, yes. moving on. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> I like the different, like, shots in this book. Like, this is an aerial shot it of is. them chasing each other through the living room, yeah. dining room. Uh, Sequential art, if you will. It's very cool. Of like, one uh, sibling attempting to kill the other. Yes. Yes. Running around. One... And you feel for the older sibling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially your, when your brand mom comes yeah. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mom comes out and she immediately takes the little sister. Yeah, she side, does. Yeah, she does. Which I'm like, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. The, it's funny. I can actually see injustice waves radiating off the page. Like you are so in the older sister's camp here. I'm absolutely yeah. like yeah. And 
keep in mind, people, I'm the baby of the I family. I know, I know. I'm so, the older sister. <laughs> yeah. So she, okay, so the girl says, you know, little sister, she ate my lollipop. She ate it. Yeah. And a mom immediately says, it's just a lollipop. Can't you share? Oh. And I would be like, she had her own. Sure. A, she had her own. B, Why she hasn't even my... had breakfast yet, and she's had a whole lollipop's worth of candy yeah, before wh- breakfast. I don't care where you're from. Res- That's not good. It's, why is it her responsibility to share? Seriously. Like, And then the mom says, oh my gosh, I'm just furious. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, and she comes back with a little like triangle The piece. triangle of And piece. mom's like, yeah. look, she didn't eat all of it. She left you a little triangle. <laughs> Go ahead, take the little triangle. I'm like... Mom, you are I so love, in the wrong here. I love this, like the older sister's like face as she is holding the triangle. She is of contempt. Way more mature than I am because yeah. I would be livid. Oh, I, I think would be she's saying, seething. I would, she's seething. I mean, she she does throw it with she, all her force. She throws it and it skitters under the couch, and the Correct. little sister grabs it and starts eating it. Yeah. Shouldn't the mom realize at this point that oh. Maybe my youngest daughter is being a little greedy and should apologize. No. Please bear in mind that there is another baby there. And as someone who's had a baby, you're not paying attention to your kids all that much. You're just basically thinking to yourself, because these two are making a lot of noise. You're like, make the noise stop so the baby is not disturbed. (laughs) Like, what's going on? I don't care what's fair. I want the noise to stop. (laughs) And if I have to say these things to make the noise stop, I will say these things. So I don't think mom's 100% uh, present in this situation. Well, mom should have had the little sister apologize. Oh, absolutely. Like, mom, Agreed. I'm not a big fan of mom here. So yeah, mom is not... Uh, the yeah. big sister doesn't get invited to any birthday parties because she knows... They all know. the other girls yeah. know she's going to have to bring her annoying little sister right. who ruined so they the won't. first party. So she's... Now, it doesn't say she's never, ever invited again, but she says for a no, very it, long time. It says, time. I don't get any invitations. For a really long time. For a really time. long time. Right. So that implies that at some point this ban is lifted, but it takes years, right. I'd say. Well, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna fast say, forward in time. I'm going to say we fast forward about five years. I'd say three. But Okay. Well, okay. If maybe I'm, five, maybe five. I don't know though. Four. I assume that we'll younger we'll sister. We'll leave it at four. <laughs> okay, maybe. I assume the younger sister was between three and four. Well, if she's four and now she's eight. Yeah, eight would be. About that right, means yeah. the original, the for older sister was eight. Mm-hmm. Now she's twelve. Right. Which I would say. Right. That's, sure, she looks twelve. Yeah. And that means that the youngest sister now is four. Right. So that's like this all seems four, true. eight, twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so now the, what was the little sister, now the middle sister, right, um, is saying, I got invited to a party, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, oh, you have to take, well, just like before, you're going to have to take both your sisters. Yes. And the older sister's like, no, leave me out of this. I don't want anything to do exactly. with this. Exactly, I love, I love her, like, mental, she has this, like, imaginary, like, great, I'm being forced to go to a seven-year-old's birthday party. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I'm not on board with this plan. And then she pulls her mom aside and says, don't, don't make her take her, her the, the youngest yeah. sister. Don't make her take anyone to this party. Let her just go by herself. Right. And the mom's like, um, okay, What? Like, she's so moldable. She has no backbone. She... No, the mom, if anyone could say, like, she's not going to listen 
to the younger daughter, but the older one who's already been through this, I think the mom on some level realizes that the older sister didn't like that she had to do it and would enjoy the revenge of watching her younger sister go through and that she is not taking revenge should be rewarded. She is more mature oh. than anyone in this family. She is incredibly mature. She, like, that act is an act, I don't use this word lightly, that is an act of grace that she is doing. That is an act of forgiveness, which you do not get in children's books very often. Right. Yeah, So, and it's one that kids can understand, because kids are like look, reading this and they're like, oh, revenge, you know, this is the moment. And that she does, like she not only doesn't take it, but she actively works to keep her younger sister from going through what she went through Yeah. is remarkable. So the sister goes to the party, comes back with a green lollipop, gives it to her older sister, and after that, we're friends. The end. Yes. You know, ooh. <laughs> ooh. You've been through the emotional ringer of unfairness. <laughs> but you've also seen forgiveness. We're just gonna, I'm just gonna wait till ratings time to just let really? it all, it all out at ratings time. Because I think you need to have this moment of unfairness for the end to work, I'd argue. I think otherwise it doesn't. Now, I will give you even more background information. So, when she tells, and I will include this video on the show notes, because it you've got to, this woman is, with kids, amazing. Like, the kids are just eating out of the palm of her hand. To the point where I was almost thinking to myself, like, what kind of things can I have people invite her to? She is the greatest storyteller. She's so good. And she, you know, she was the younger sister. Now, the way she tells it, her older sister comes home and is like, Mommy, I'm invited to his birthday party and there's going to be cake and ice cream. And her, like, older sister's, like, really, like, playing it up. And so, of course, she's like, I want cake and ice cream. That's totally not fair. So that's why she's, like, complaining. And then she gets invited. And then, yes, all that stuff happens. And she feels very virtuous for not eating the triangle. <laughs> she's like... I'm pretty good. I managed not to eat the triangle. Something that I just remembered is that, like, so I was able to forgive the mom the first time. Yeah. But after four or five years, she should have known at that point, you do not invite siblings. She'd already, yes, yeah, I would agree, but she had already set the precedent. So if she had said that she could go without her younger sister, then the older one would have had legitimate reason to complain. Hey! I had to bring my younger sister. She's got to bring her younger sister. Come on, Momsy. We can't just, like, relax the rules just because I'm the Would eldest. she have done that? Or no, because she's she's much, she's very mature for her age. She's proven that multiple times that she's definitely well, as the eldest, beyond as her As the years. eldest sibling mm -hmm. in our family, mm -hmm. uh, I feel that perhaps she would have been more mature than little Betsy. But uh, <laughs> she shouldn't be because little Betsy had to watch her younger siblings get away with murder and rules that she had to follow to the letter. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm totally on the side of mom reestating the unfair rules because the first one had to go through them. Hmm. I'm like, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Make those bad rules stay. Yeah, make the makes, other siblings suffer. That makes no sense. Makes total sense. No. As an older sibling, as a mom, doesn't make sense. But as an older sibling, totally makes sense. Are we going to rate it now? Revenge! <laughs> Alright, let me see here. Um, 
give a little more background information. Um, this is true to the point where, so she moved when she was three uh, from Canada to Canada from Pakistan. So the whole family moved when she was three. And so this story, I would say, maybe takes place a year after they've moved. So I think she is around four, probably, somewhere around there. I'm basing that just on the fact that I have a four-year-old. Um, her sister's name was Rubina. You never learn her sister's name. You do. You do? Yeah. Oh, is it Sana? Yeah. It said uh, when the mom is explaining yeah. her awful, awful rule, uh, she says... And, you know, she says, well, you went to Rubina's friend's party. Now Rubina and Miriam can go to your friend's oh, party. Oh, I see. Okay. So it was Rubina. Yeah. Oh, well, well done. Wow. She really kept this in the realistic. Do you feel that she wrote this as revenge on her mom? No. <laughs> like, Look what my mom did. <laughs> Except she wouldn't have because she was the younger sister. So right. she would be totally on mom's side. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. And then I'll also include in the show notes, there's a tutorial on how educators can use this to teach point of view, which I think is interesting because she does switch up the point of view. <gasps> Ratings time. You go first. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a book where you can actually show kids an unfair situation and forgiveness in a really understandable to them level that they get. I mean, kids get unfairness. Babies get unfairness. Like, everybody gets unfair. Animals get unfairness. He has more than me. That is unfair, right? So the unfairness in this book just, like, like that is the easiest way that you can make a person, when you're a writer, when you want people to identify with your character, if you make the character go through something that is unfair, you instantly have the reader on your side because we all share that feeling. Remember so that the question is, is this a classic? I'm getting to that. Okay. I'm getting to that. I'm, right. I'm building, I'm, I'm, I'm standing before the jury uh-huh. and this is my closing statement. All right. All right. So I'm building to that. So make sure classic. No, 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 the, uh, no, no, no. We're getting, it. we're getting over there. Okay. So having established that the idea of forgiveness, of forgiving, not just a sibling, but a younger sibling who has wronged you and gotten away with it and has caused you long-lasting uh, mental damage because you weren't allowed to go to any other birthday parties. That is remarkable. We're talking, and I use the word, I'm going to use it again, grace. We've got a book about grace. Added on to the fact that A, it's beautiful, the art is fantastic, and B, it is the only... Um, it is a Muslim American children's picture book that is not about a holiday, which, let me tell you, I can count on one hand how many of those I've seen. It is enormously rare um, to say almost non-existent. Uh, usually, if there, you have a Muslim American children's picture book, it's about the religion. And that's pretty much what it's about on some level. And this book is not like that. So I am giving it a, a, lofty, a lofty eight. An eight. Wow. Your move, sir. This is a tough read for me. Yeah, I know, man. It really makes me uncomfortable. I wondered if, from our status of older sister, younger sister, if that would have any influence on your read at all. No, because okay. I don't relate to the little sister in any way. You relate to the older sister. I don't relate to her either. I don't oh. know how she's so <laughs> mature and understanding. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Like I'm not. I don't understand either of them. Okay. Like, you don't understand I'm, the younger sister? Well, technically... I, I can understand the younger sister. Technically, I'm like the third child. 
Oh, you're the baby. Who's so I'm just the like, baby who's baby. just watching everything. Oh, you know what? Yeah. You are the third child. Though. I am. Yeah. Ah, wait a minute. So that I, makes a lot of sense. I get that this is a book that has a great lesson about forgiveness and sharing, mm. but this is tough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unlike you, I find the title forgettable. Mm-hmm. I find the art not memorable. Interesting. You say it's beautiful. It's cool. That's your opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying it's ugly. It's not your style. It's it not, doesn't fit. I, it doesn't, I'm slowly learning what is a Kate style, and this is not your style. No, no, I no. understand. That. Yeah. Um, and I get that it's like a situation that a kid can understand. Mm. But I ain't a kid. Right. <laughs> okay, fair point. So, fair point. This just made me uncomfortable right. most of the time. The mm-hmm. only thing that I really liked was that whale. Like, that whale really? really... You didn't even like the lollipop? It's a very impressive lollipop. No, it's not. <laughs> What's well, it's, it's red. It's red. And it's big. It's a red And lollipop. a lollipop. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a, right there in the title. I, which I forgot. I forgot the title again. Oh dear! It's literally right in front of me, and I was like, "What's this called?" Oh right, yeah. Okay. I so I'm not in love with it as much as you are. Understood. So I give it a four. Oh, all right. So it's still a classic. It's a classic between but, us, but but a I, reluctant classic. It's, let's a, say. it's a, re- a reluctant classic. The tale of the reluctant I mean, classic. How old is this book? Uh, this book came out in 2010, so it is nine years old. Yeah, I thought we were doing stuff like 10 years and older. Yeah, let me, um, previous statement about Muslim American children's books do not exist. (laughs) Like, they do not, like, if you go back in time, let's go to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, maybe 90s? Like, Like, they do not exist. Like, I'm all for Muslim American books, that's great, but I can't, I, I can't cherry pick that sure out of this book and be like this is why i like this book it's because they're muslim americans it's like no, no I, I i clearly I'm like it above it. and beyond that I'm i mean judge it for the entire i like it for the sisters and the situation. story and the forgiveness and the i like the art like i like it way beyond that clearly yeah i just <laughs> i'm fine. just uncomfortable the I entire that. time I just even having it in this room just makes me uncomfortable is she staring at you no she's staring at the lollipop but i'm like why that she never got to eat well she could have had that triangle (laughs) (laughs) it's true she did pass up the triangle. yeah the whole reason she doesn't eat that triangle is because her mom tells her to eat it she's like go ahead eat it go ahead you know maybe if she had tried it it, she would have been like oh it's really not that good it's possible (gasps) letters time la 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 we got a lot of letters all right Lots of lovely letters. Bring it on. All right. First and foremost, let's, um, because we got two different books that are being discussed, we're going to go with the one that we're more recently was, we're discussing. The last one we talked about was uh, The Day Jimmy's Boa Ate the Wash uh, by Trinka Hates Noble. So this comes from Heather, who says, I just listened to your podcast episode about The Day Jimmy's Boa Ate the Wash by Trinka Hakes Noble and Stephen Kellogg. Since you didn't have any background information on the book, I thought I'd relay what I heard from the author herself. <laughs> I attended an SCBWI conference in New Jersey a few uh, years ago. Ah, I will, I will explain. SCBWIs, or SCUBWI, uh, <laughs> not a thing, uh, stands for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. If you are a newbie who wants to write a children's book, and you don't know, A, how to get an agent, B, how to write a children's book, C, how to find a critique group. Uh, 
you know, or submit it to a publisher or any of that stuff. You can actually, there's regional chapters all around the entire country. They have regional conferences. There's two major, like, national conferences. It's really cool organization, actually. Okay. So I'm, this, I'm very fond of it. So yeah. she was at one of these in New Jersey a few years ago, where Trinka Noble, which sounds so wrong to me because it didn't have her middle name, presented a workshop. She told us a bit about the origins of her boa story. If I recall correctly, the format of the story came from a prompt from the instructor of a writing course she was taking. Her teacher challenged the students to write a story backwards. The setting of the story was loosely based on a personal experience when she was a teacher. She said she was a rather green teacher, and one day decided to take her class out for an impromptu class trip. I don't remember all the details, but she described it as a bit of a disaster. So there you go! So she was the one who took the chalkboard She's to the teacher. Yes, she's the teacher who's like, that was a I'm bad gonna... idea. Yeah, that was a terrible... Who brings a chalkboard to... Anyway. And she also means that she's the wielding the corn cob, oh, threatening yeah, the children. Yeah, she's threatening <laughs> children with corn. Got it. Okay. She, that, was, that was herself she drew. She is that. All right. Thank you, Heather. We, we would not have gotten that information any other way but for you. So thank you. Now, as to the satchel question, mm -hmm. you know, the, the ginormous... Yeah, the carpet bags. The carpet bags, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Robin wrote in. She said, I carried a satchel to school in the 70s. I didn't get my first backpack till I was in college in the early 80s. So satchels instead of backpacks would have made sense in 1980 when this book was written. Mm. That's a fair point, because when I started going to school, I, started, I didn't start until 1984. They must have phased out the satchel situation by that point. I still don't... I don't <laughs> would, know. Would have had a big old B on it. Yeah, no. Could have put my boa in there. Okay, yeah. whatever. All right. Mom wrote in. Um, remember, I mentioned at one point, if anyone could remember a board game... Oh, yeah, with Involving chickens. chickens. Well, I guess I should have asked Mom, since, you know... Oh, what's it called? Oh, well, the book was called Count Your Chickens. Oh. <laughs> Mom says, All I remember is that the Army Corps of Engineers were the bad guys, as were neighbors who objected to roosters, and the cast pewter pieces were detailed and magnificent. Oh, yeah. It's all... Yeah, you remember those? Yeah, we would, we would use them when we would lose the Monopoly pieces. We'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't find a shoe. I'll use this ginormous pewter chicken instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the most use those got. Hmm. Because uh, I, I don't know about you, I'm kind of pro the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like you know, in how in Ghostbusters, where the EPA is the bad guy. Yeah, it feels very similar. Hmm. All right. Then we get to the fox question. Remember you once asked, because we saw, we read Dr. DeSoto, and you said, are foxes ever good guys in yeah. classic? Oh my goodness. I'm not even going to say who put in these. These are all the different answers to that question that people put in. Well, technically, the fox in, uh, in Fox and Socks doesn't want to eat anyone. He's just a little annoying. So not heroic, <laughs> but not evil either. That was one. Two, for what it's worth, my daughter's favorite fox book is Jim Aylesworth's the Tale of Tricky Fox. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. But it's Tricky Fox. Well, you can be a good... You can be tricky for good. Can you, Betsy? Tricky for good, not for evil. I don't think so. That's going to I'm be already, my motto. I'm already I'm going to wear a t-shirt. Tricky for good. What else? All right. Uh, beautiful characters are in Fo The Fox and the Star by Coralie Bickford-Smith. No Matter What by Deb Liori. Heroic, Caring, and Kind in Pandora by Victoria Turnbull. This is true. These are all very recent. The Strange and Slim... This is one of my favorites. This is about an adult book that just came out. 
The Strange and Slim Fox 8 by George Saunders addresses some of this. Fox 8 argues that foxes are not sly and cruel, the chicken, that chickens know that they are food. Quote, we are very open and honest with chickens. <laughs> okay, Aww. well, there you go. That is from uh, Fox 8, A Story by George Saunders, page 6. And uh, he, oh, the fox also objects to the way that children's books portray animals. Like, why are bears cuddly in books? They should be terrifying. That's true. Yes. And then mom pointed out that uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl. I didn't specify picture books. Should count. Hmm. Also, she points out, remember when he had his, like, his mouth all wrapped up and we were like, like Marley, right? She says, Marley's jaw was tied up so it wouldn't flop open as it does when you're dead and all your muscles relax. Why use the... Uh, why use that with teeth? So, wait, I have no idea. So he got a ghost bandana yeah. to wrap around his head. <laughs> so is there like yeah. a ghost closet that you can just go in and be like, feeling a little chilly. I'm going to take out my ghost sweater. What a proper job. What's that bandana? Hold on. There we go. Much better. I'd argue with you, but that makes as much sense as anything that I've read today. So, yes. We get to Dan B., who says, okay, I've been kind of obsessed with this foxes in literature thing all day. I think we're talking about a tradition in Western culture that was probably already ancient at the time of Aesop. Foxes often play the role of punishing foolishness or pride rather than straight up villainy that wolves often play. Mm. I'd argue that the fox is the true hero of the gingerbread man, for example, for being the one to shut up that annoying twerp. But it still centers on the role as clever predators. The only fox that I can think of to break the mold entirely in classic literature is the one in The Little Prince. Are you familiar with The Little Prince? Nope. Okay. Uh, it's too long to do on this show. Okay. Anyway, there's a very sweet fox in it. Okay. It wants to be tamed. Richard Scarry has a bunch of foxes in his books, though rarely as major characters. For heroic foxes, I think you have to go to Disney movies. That is a good point. Robin oh, Hood. Oh, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Robin Hood. Oh, I feel I would better agree. now. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> which, and then he says, which led me to thinking about animals that are never villains. Are there any villainous elephants, for example? No. It doesn't exist. He's absolutely right. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. One last thing. Okay. Remember the open flames? Yes. Okay. At well, the dentist's office. Well, Stephanie wrote in. Uh, you, third sister. Third sister. I refuse to give up on this open flames and dental offices thing. I was really hoping a listener would explain what they were for because I distinctly remember an open flame in the 1960 Judy Holiday Dean Martin movie Bells Are Ringing. Okay, well, as it turns out, I have good news. Someone did write in. Ganilla. She wrote, The flame comes from a small container with spirits and a wick, ubiquitous in all dentists and doctors' offices for warming the small mirrors you use to look at different things in patients' mouths. Otherwise, their breath will cloud the mirror. You Uh... tested it by laying the backside of the mirror against your own skin so that it wouldn't get too hot. That is genius. I know. I had no idea. That makes total sense. It's insane. Because science. Science, baby. The answer is science. It's science. So there you go, Stephanie. We did get the answer. Grown-up things we like. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. So I think, was it last time I did apps about games? You did. So this time I'm going to do apps about shopping. Oh, I thought you were going to do games about apps, but all right, sure. Nah. So I have two apps that I would recommend. All right. Uh, the first one is called Shopkick. One word. Okay. Shop. shop like you're going to kick sure. someone in the pants. All right. So, kick them in the shop. So every time you walk into a store and you have this app open, you get points. 
Every time you scan a barcode, you don't even have to buy anything. You can just scan the barcode. You get points. Mm. Every time you buy something, you scan the receipt. You get points. Like, mm. every time, and as long as the shop is within this app, like, I used to go to, like, a Marshalls or Target or whatever, you keep getting more points. You can then use these points towards a gift card at the movie theater or at Ooh. a store you like or that's whatever. Nice. That's very nice. So, right. And huh. the other one that's I've gotten hooked on lately is Ibotta. I-B-O-T-T-A. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm a big fan of, like, shopping on Amazon or uh, going to the grocery store or Target or whatever. Um, mod cloth. Or even recently, I went to L.A. Mm -hmm. and I had to buy my hotel. So, I bought it on Expedia. Oh. I went through Ibotta through I to Expedia to get my hotel and you get money back for every time you spend money. So for my hotel room, I got like $15 back. It was also a very cheap hotel. So, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's great. You can, uh, you can go and you can just get through Amazon through Ibotta. And then uh, summon the money, you get a kickback. And then you can cash that money out with uh, PayPal or whatever, you know, however you like. And uh, yeah, so I highly recommend Shopkick and Ibotta. And if you want to try out Ibotta, I do have a little code that you can try. I-A-S-C-P-W-D. Voila. Voila. So go ahead. Try it out. Get some money because you're already spending money, so get some money back. Why not? Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's a, that's a public good, that is. Um, I, I'm doing two movies for grown-ups. Ooh. I know. I don't want to brag, but... <laughs> Um, I've been watching a lot of the Oscar contenders, because they did announce the Oscar contenders. You're a better person than I am. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. I'm not watching all of them, um, but I'm watching some of them. So I saw The Favorite. Oh, that's the Emma Stone one. That's the Emma Stone one. Yeah. And it is... It, I used to watch a British comedy show called That Mitchell and Webb Look. And it was two guys mostly, and then there was like one woman who was in a lot of the scenes. I did not know that that woman was playing Queen Anne in and was nominated for an Oscar in The Favorite. But in fact, she is. Olivia Coleman, I believe her name is. And she is amazing. In fact, all the actors in that thing. It's the most ridiculous, weird, goofy... You go into it thinking it's going to be a costume drama. But there is a dance sequence that is so clearly making fun of every dance sequence in a... They're doing... Like, clearly ridiculous... Like, practically doing the chicken dance, essentially. Just ridiculous dances. And at the point, like, where you're laughing, but there's people around you who don't know it's not real, and they're like, how dare you laugh in this very serious costume? It's not a serious... You have a man who, like, they're throwing oranges at a naked man in a, in a wig at one point for fun. It is so strange and weird and funny and fun. Um, and there's a lot of rabbits in it. So I recommend that. And on a very flip side of that, I saw uh, What Happened on Beale Street. Oh. It is, uh, every single reviewer of it has used the word luminous. Yep. It's luminous. It's very beautiful. The fact it wasn't nominated for cinematography is ridiculous. Hmm. Um, the fact that every single actor in the film wasn't nominated for an Oscar is ridiculous. It is gorgeous. And if you saw Moonlight... It's a lot like Moonlight. I heard it's like the sequel to Moonlight. It feels a lot like a sequel to Moonlight. It's like, except it's less violent. Um, there is violence, but you never really see it. Uh, there may be one. There's one. There's one moment. But generally speaking, it's just very well done um, and very enjoyable. I was surprised to find. 
It was not a, it was not a slog by any stretch of the imagination. So two thumbs up to two movies that are actually good. Cool. Yay! <laughs> All right. And on that note, well, I, I feel like I should end it with like a fact about Ariana Grande because that's how we started. All right. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that one. Give me a weird Ariana Grande fact that I would not know. And that's, it's a trick question. I don't know any facts about Ariana Grande at all. That's not true. What do you mean? You know, she was engaged to Pete. Yes, I know that. And I know that she was mentioned on uh, The Good Place. She was. There you go. There. Wait, that's your fact? Yeah. The fact that I already knew? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One day to the moon. Here's the lollipop. Ah. All right, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our director of Sandbags is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal. <laughs>